Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show sponsored by 888 Sport. This is the Cheltenham Festival anti-post preview. I'm your host, George Ellick, and today I am joined by Odds Checker tipster Andy Holding, racing journalist and broadcaster Ed Quigley, and 888 Sport ambassador Barry Geraghty. Stay tuned to hear which horse uh, novice hurdle specialist Andy Holding thinks is the good thing for the Supreme. Yeah, I, I feel as though I'm a, a little bit of a fraud here. Um, <laughs> uh, co- coming in piggybacking off the back of uh, Barry Garrity's astonishing um, foresight with this horse. Ed has a 10 to 1 fancy in a mare's hurdle that he thinks could go off favourite. It's a massive price still at double figures. I'm shocked to be honest with you. And Barry has a strong fancy in the National Hunt chase and tells us which horse he thinks is the one to beat in the Gold Cup. I got the impression from the time I was down there, that he's a horse who may have just improved a little bit over the summer. I think physically he might be a stronger horse. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that we all maybe need something to look forward to. Uh, it is the 16th of December, the time we're recording, and you know things aren't necessarily where we want them to be at this stage. Fingers crossed we all get to Christmas. But Barry, it's a good time, I guess, isn't it, to look ahead uh, at the Cheltenham Festival, which is now on the horizon, and we're starting to see some of the protagonists racing and showing us what they're made of this season. Oh, definitely. Um, so we've been, we've been gearing towards this since October or even since Cheltenham last year. So it's, uh, no, it's 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 all roads to Cheltenham. But yeah, there is just plenty of big names coming out and staking their claim. And, and it's a big weekend. The long walk hurdle is, I don't remember it ever being as strong. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to look at some of the, the, the horses racing at Ascot and elsewhere this weekend, but we're going to do so by going through your guys' picks, your antipost picks for the Cheltenham Festival. And Andy, you know, I, I know um, you're a fan of, of looking ahead at these races and, and getting some some value at antipost. What, what are the pitfalls? What are the traps here? And, and how can you go about making sure that you've got a, a decent book of bets going into the festival before we even get to the, to the week of it? Um, well, there's seven, several golden rules at this stage of the season. I think you have to be very cautious with certain um, areas, such as the novices, because we know we know uh, all too well that Willie, Gordon, Henry have still got to play their hand in several um, departments, particularly over the Christmas period. I'm sure they'll have their good uh, novices out that they haven't run already. They get a chance to flex their muscles, the ones that have already had a run, to see how good they are, see whether they can take graded level rather than just win maiden hurdles and novice and beginners chases, etc. Um, you know, same applies over this side of the water, but more predominantly over in Ireland. Um, I think there's been a lot of shadow boxing at the moment. There hasn't been anything outrageous on the time figures other than the odd one or two, particularly from the novices. So I'm, I'm waiting for it to catch fire, really, to be perfectly honest. Um, what I've What I've looked at with regards to my list is confirmed time figure horses uh, that are the leaders of their particular group going into the second half of the season. So, you know, there might be a few that will usurp them and go over the top of them and or certainly go alongside them. At this very moment in time, they all run the fastest times in the categories I'm going to choose, particularly the novice hurdles. Um so that, that, that's that's what I've done. Not massive amount of value, other than perhaps one. I think predominantly when you were looking at anti-post bets, and now Ed's the master of this, really. Most of his are sort of ten to one or above. He's looking for horses that um, are likely to shorten rather than you know they're plenty tight enough already. Um, so I can see his angle. But me predominantly, mm. I've mixed a few, mixed a match a few uh, ones that I think are already well established and are um, almost certain to get there and a, f- a few other sort of want some left field. And Ed Quigley, someone who loves Cheltenham so much, he moved there. Um, how, are you, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? When, when are the, uh, the Twitter hashtags going to start in terms of your, your run up to Cheltenham? Yeah, I know. I'm a bit late with the not long now, aren't I? I mean, yeah, we're just, what, we're 12 weeks, five days, something like that off the top of my head, not that I'm counting or anything. But yeah, it'll soon be here, won't it? Um, won't it, George? Yeah, it's, uh, it's starting to bubble up nicely. I'm t- whole plethora of top class action um it's a bit of a who's who over the next kind of fortnight with all the superstars coming out we're obviously camped in all the action in ireland and obviously this weekend at ascot as well so there's gonna be a few reputations uh burst shall we say or enhance for that matter and uh no interesting andy's point yeah the angle i'm coming through perhaps slightly different is looking at those which i think are sleepers in the market and i think half the battle these days especially with the charter markets is 
mainly I say it's just getting the right target. I know it sounds a bit mm. silly and almost a layman's term, but the the waters are so muddy these days with the you know, the, the, since the, what's it, the Turner's chase came in, you know, in, in the older days, it's very easy to work out whether it's an Arkle horse or a, uh, a Sun Alliance horse, if you like, you know, uh, but that, that kind of middle ground can trip up punters. And so it's very much a case of staying clear of some of those booby traps and uh, getting the horse to the right race is half the battle. And so I aim to go down that route and then find ones which I think could um, start half the price they are at present. So, yeah, they're so interesting, lot, lots of different angles in here and um, some really interesting horses to talk about on the show. Half the price. That's a big promise, Ed. Uh, I'm going to hold you to that. But let's get into the odds checker betting show. Cheltenham Antipos preview sponsored by 888 Sport. And before we do, just going to point the listener and the viewer as ever in the direction of the odds checker app. There you'll find the best prices, which we'll be talking in terms of today. Uh, place terms, bookie offers, free bets. And of course, if you download the app, you'll get Andy's tips straight to your phone every morning of racing as well. So do download it now and you can follow along as we go through them. And the way we've done this is I've asked you guys uh, for five tips each, Andy and Ed, and, and Barry's given us three as well. A couple of the big races, the Champion Chase, the Champion Hurdle and the Gold Cup were not covered in the tips. So we're going to cover those as well. So plenty to get through and we're going to go through it in chronological order as well. So as I said, we won't be touching on every race, but as the tips come in, we'll be starting <laughs> from the beginning. And of course, the first race of the Cheltenham Festival is the Supreme Novice Hurdle. And here we have John Bond, who we'll see uh, on Saturday at Ascot, is the 7-2 to two favourite, ahead of Constitution Hill at 4-1. to one. Dysart Dynamo, 10-1. to one. Sagarha, 10-1. to Kilcrute, 12-1. to one. Uh, Largely debut, 14-1. to one. 18-1 to one bar. It is the main man, Andy Holding, who has a fancy here. And it is a horse that we spoke about for about 15 minutes on the Odds Checker Betting Show last week, Andy, Constitution Hill. Yeah, I, I feel as though I'm a, a little bit of a fraud here. Um, <laughs> uh, co coming in piggybacking off the back of uh, Barry Garrity's astonishing um, foresight with this horse prior to his Sandown victory. But we all heard the the, uh, the, the, the vibes that Barry gave out. Um, and he backed it up on the track. Um, now, obviously, Barry was very much going on what, what he'd heard and, and what he'd seen with his own eyes. Um, whereas I've got the information from, from here on in of having some sort of tangible evidence uh, on the clock. Um, so far, up to now, he's run by far and away the fastest uh, time figure for any horse either side of the RSC over two miles. Yes, I certainly take on board a lot of the uh, Irish races probably haven't been that well contested or strongly run yet so there's going to be one or two improvers but as it stands this fellow just stands out for me he's certainly a much better horse anyway on the clock so far than John Bon. now obviously John Bon has got a chance to enhance what he's already done um, as we speak uh, tomorrow in what looks a good version of the Kennelgate novices hurdle if he wins that wins it well and knocks out a good number then uh, this conversation could be rather different but as it stands for me Constitution Hill just looks a, a much more quicker model um, we're all impressed with the way he did it at the Sandown he jumped immaculately and um, when Nico pressed the button at the last, he absolutely flew away from a very good horse, Mite. I think, I think the, mm. the, the Harry Fry camp literally couldn't get their breath. Uh, I think they're still in a state of shock. I think if you go around um, that yard, that one or two of the uh, people closely associated uh, with that horse are probably still in a daze. Um, such was the sort of um, bashing that he got um, mm. that he got given out by, by Constitution Hill. But his, his sectionals are great as well. I mean, all the way around the track, he was quicker than the handicap at the back end of the car, which is always a good sign for me. Um, you know, he was good from the from the last in the back straight. He was good from two out to the line, and from the line to the last, he was by miles. He was the miles the quickest on the card, and he did it. Got, it geared down as far as I could see. I mean, he could have gone even quicker. So, I think this is probably the most exciting horse I've seen so far this season. Barry is absolutely bang on. Like I say, forty to one up front before I, I even got involved. I, I feel like I say, I feel as I'm a bit of a Johnny Come Lately here. Forty <laughs> to one. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I'm, at least I can. I've got an objective view now to know how good he is. Um, and for those that like to follow um, established horses with fast times that are almost certain to get there, barring accidents, I think they'll probably Nicky will give him one more run. I can only see him going, going one way in the market. I, I, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if anything runs as well, as fast a time as he's already done going into the festival off the back of that, just, just that run. I don't want to be greedy here, Barry, because you've already given us so much in terms of, of letting us know about Constitution Hill before that run a couple of weeks ago. But do you have any indication, um, you know, Nicky Henderson clearly holds the aces at this early stage in the Supreme with John Bond as well. Is there any indication of, of, of how they're thought of comparatively at home? 
No, not really. Um, only just that both horses, he's he's raving about both horses, really. Um, but Constitution Hill, I, I suppose I knew all I knew before he went over to Seven Barrows and then the vibes are good, which which backed up what I thought. But I, I'm really interested to hear Andy's because everything I know about Constitution Hill is what I felt myself from riding them and the impression I was getting. But when it's backed up by the clock, it's good to hear as well because visually it was a brilliant performance. But when you have Andy, you know, dissecting it by the clock the way he's just done, it backs up. And I suppose it'll give you more more belief in the horse if you like. Um, and fingers crossed for him. But um, I think maybe the Talworth could be his, his, his next stepping stone, maybe. Ed, it falls to either myself or you then to play devil's advocate. And with a, a 40 to 1 antipost ticket in my pocket, that's not going to be me. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> leave, I'll leave it to you to make a case against him. <laughs> no, look, look, I, 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 I absolutely love this horse of what I've seen. Yeah, I'm, again, it's just not my nature now at the prices to get involved in. Uh, the Talworth, I think Nicky Henderson has pretty much. Um, kind of pencil that one in where he'll meet Jamie Snowden's winner. Uh, that's right, Gino, who won it the weekend. So that should be a good little battle. But yeah, look, I mean, it was a fantastic performance. Again, the kind of cat's out the bag now, isn't it? It doesn't get m- my kind of juices flowing. I mean, if he bolts up in the Tollworth, depending on what John Bond does, I mean, what's he maybe going to go nine to four, five to two? Uh, it, it's still, as you say, the three, three and a half months to go. Uh, I'd probably at the price he's now probably wait and back him on the day if that makes sense. But like that's not nothing against the horse himself. I mean he looks he looks a machine on that one run, as Andy says. The kind of clock backs it up and uh, yeah. I mean, funny enough, I'd be interested in what Andy says on the time figures very quickly on the uh, the kind of the third string if you want to call it. I am Maximus. There was a lot of talk after what he did at Newbury and a lot of people saying, oh, perhaps he should go up and trip and everything. I'm not so sure. He was very keen early doors. And then when Nico asked him to go and quicken from the back of the last, I mean, he put seven lengths on them in a matter of 100 yards. I'd love to see him in a strongly run, something like the Betfair hurdle uh, in February, in a strongly run two miles where you could get a lead and something could tow him along. They couldn't go quick enough for him in the in the first half of the race. Um, I mean, he's kind of 20 to one. Whether they think mm. he'd tie me or move up into more of a kind of ball type, I don't know. But uh, what is for sure is uh, Nicky Henson definitely at, at present has a, an embarrassment of riches in this kind of division. Yeah, Andy, have you got the the the, um, the time figure for our Maximus? Yeah, I mean the overall time is nowhere near as good as um, Constitution Hill, um, which is to be expected. <laughs> so I don't think there's going to be any novices over this side of the going to be running as quick as that in, in the build-up to Cheltenham. Um, put it this way, he, Constitution Hill ran a quicker time in that Sandown Maiden than Appreciate it did in winning. Um, I think it was the Grade One at Leopardstown last year. I got mm. then we got a 71 for Appreciate it. In winning the grade one, we got 72 for Constitution Hill winning the maiden here and hurdle geared down. Uh, his back end sectionals are quite good, I Maximus. Um, he was very good from the uh, last in the back straight to the line in comparison to um, Pull Again Green, that the horse that won the the, uh, the two and a half mile uh, race. But that was a very slowly run race. Like I say, it's a little bit of a uh, um, a misleading link, if if, if anything. Um, I, I just think I'm Maximus overall overall form falls short for me. His exit of race hasn't really worked out well. I thought he was okay yesterday, rather being spectacular. Um, I think he's got a way to go to catch um, John Bond and Constitution Hill. We'll move on now um, because this podcast and, and video is sponsored by 888 Sport and not Constitution Hill. People might be getting a bit confused <laughs> at the moment. Uh, but before we do, just want to point out to those who do want to get involved, um, 888 Sport have boosted five of the guys' picks uh, to either best price in the market um, or standout best price. And Constitution Hill has been boosted from seven to two to four to one. Um, T's and C's here, of course, do apply. It's a max bet over £20 um, and over 18s only. And please do gamble responsibly. Those T's and C's do uh, apply to all of the boosts as well uh, and, and and the rest too. And you'll be able to find the link um, in the 888 specials part as well. You can find that link below in the description to the video and the podcast as well. So boosted there, Constitution Hill, matching best price on the market, four to one uh, with 888 Sport. On then to the Arkle now, where a couple of you uh, are going head to head here. Appreciate it is the five to two favourite. Fernie Hollow is four to one. Edward Stone ten to one. Riviere de Tell twelve to one. Uh, Bob Ollinger fourteen to one. Sure not to run. You'd have thought. My Drogo sixteen to one. Blue Lord sixteen to one. Uh, twenty five to one and twenty to one. Bar and uh, Barry, your first selection comes here in the shape of Blue Lord at sixteen to one. Yeah, so he obviously won in Farius recently. 
jumped brilliantly. Um, that was obviously one real positive to take out of it. Um, but settled much better. Um, far more relaxed. I think maybe fences were a help, but I'd say maturity is probably most of it really. He was a buzzy horse last year. It didn't help his cause a lot of times. They had to drop him in further than ideal. Now, Willie was adamant about staying at two mile last season. So I would get the impression with how he jumped in Ferrios the last day. And that inside track is a sharp track. It's very much speed, a speed track. So I, I'd say he's going to stick to two mile would be my reading of it. But he would have been second in the Supreme last year had he not fallen at the last. Um, I think the way he jumps and the way he's settling would offer improvement in him. Um, appreciated had entries already, so and we haven't seen him out yet, so maybe we're a bit premature to be, get concerned there. But he had entries a few weeks ago. He hasn't had a run. Fernie Hollow didn't excite me with how he jumped. I know he'd improve for the <coughs> run. He was better in the second half of the race, but I think when he gets into better company and going harder, when he's not getting it as easy. Um, if if he lined up a Riviera to tell over Christmas, it could be fun. So I don't think he's going to be a straightforward but blue lord for me. Just look very natural, um, and like that, the race will cut up to a degree. But I think at sixteen to one, he's massive each way value. Sixteen to one, massive each way value there um, for Barry. And there's one in here that you fancy also the other side of the Irish Sea, Andy, uh, but for Gordon Elliott's stable. Yeah, my, my mine comes with a bit of an either or attached to it. Um, I'm not. 100% sure what route connections are thinking with regards to Riviera Detail. Barry's already mentioned him in dispatches there up against Fernie Hollow over Christmas, if that is going to be the case. Um, if she were to win that race over Christmas um, and get the better of Fernie Hill, I think their arm might be twisted and that they might have to go down the Arco route. Because up to now, she's been the standout performer on the clock uh, so far in Ireland. Not only this season, but her number last time out when she won at Navan would have won every running of the Arkle um, for the last decade. That's how fast she was. Wow. Um, I mean, it was absolutely a complete and utterly eye-popping performance. Um, because I've got the data going back for at least 10, 15 years since I've been doing numbers and, and keeping them. And her, her, her figure that day was just astonishing. Um, her jumping was spectacular. She was unrelenting. You know, she had a decent horse who's, you know, strung out all over County Meath that day. Uh, and, you know, she's she's done it three times now, not just once. All, all her time figures have been exceptional. Um, so it'll take a hell of a good performance for by something to lower her colours. Um, Fernie Hollow clocked a good number when he won, um, but so nowhere near as good as, as Riviera Detel. And there's obviously one or two horses like like Blue Lord that have done very good times or um, more than adequate times. Um, but they would certainly have to improve to get close to Riviera Ditello. Clearly can rip over two miles. The Mayor's Race is another alternative. That would be relatively easy pickings in comparison mm. to the, the Arkle category, which is yet, of course, to see, uh, even appreciate, uh, let rip. Yeah, we don't, we don't know what he can do. So it's it's building up already at the moment, the Arkle, into, into a fantastic kind of, clash between a lot of good Irish horses and maybe the likes of Edward Stone. Um, you know, we shouldn't forget about him either. And and, and Concertista was quite good the other day if um, you wanted to chuck her into this category. So, you know, to, we're, we're certainly um, not struggling for good two-milers, but as I said, Riviere Detail's time figure, absolutely extraordinary. And at 12 to 1, there's no way she's a 12 to 1 shot based on the numbers that I've got. Yeah, Riviera to tell 12 to 1 best price. Uh, Andy, do you think there might also be a chance? We haven't seen Appreciate It yet. There were talks, you know, before that scintillating win um, at Cheltenham in the festival last year that, that the two miles was too sharp. Is there any chance, you know, his two entries at the moment on Boxing Day over two mile one and two mile three, is there any chance we'll see Appreciate It step up and trip? Well, yeah, I mean, I fell into that same trap, didn't I, last year, George, when we had a conversation about Appreciate It. I thought for all the world, you know, after he won his court maiden, he'd be stepping up to two and a half, but... He just showed so much tactical speed over the two. Um, you know, he won his he won his two um, sort of challenge trials very very comfortably, and, and, he, and his numbers suggested he got plenty of boot for two miles. So um, I do think you need a little bit of everything, don't you? For I mean, Barry will know. Mm. You know, he's ridden horses that have won the Arkle that have stayed further in the in in the in the future. Um, we've seen Gold Cup winners win the Arkle, so you, you do need a horse that's got two and a half mile stamina as well as yeah. two mile pace. Um, I'm, you know, that, I'm pretty sure that that's what I appreciate it has gone in spades. So, 
you know, with Bob Ollinger lurking around in, in, in that sort of category, um, mm. the two and a half mile category, a lot depends on what connections think. But yeah, at this, at this stage, it, they'll start off at two and then let the horse tell them whether that's the right trip or not. Two against the field either way there for the Arkle, then one for Barry in Blue Lord, 16 to one best price and really had to tell for Andy at 12 to one. Uh, no selections in the champion hurdle, but we'll give it a, a, a courtesy mention either way. Can't let the champion hurdle go unpreviewed. And Honeysuckle is, of course, the four to five favourite. Charger, 10 to one. Epitont, 14 to one. Fernie Hollow, 14 to one. Appreciate it, 16 to one. Echoes and Rain, 25 to one. And... Ed, I think we're riding you to sleep here. We had you with your paper out in a second. So I'm going to come to you in a second. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to come to you in a second uh, to find us some, some each way value against the fab. But Barry, when it comes to Honeysuckle, is there any, you know, that four to five at the moment may look short enough three months out from the festival, but on the day, all being well, you can see her being a lot shorter. Yeah, and, and she, on what she's done, she deserved to be. Um, and she improved for me. Her jumping was at her best in Cheltenham. She didn't jump brilliantly in the Hatton's Grace. I think she improves with her racing. Um, but I couldn't believe. And a bit like Andy, I appreciated I was in a similar camp. I thought he needed further. I thought Honeysuckle in a champion hurdle. I didn't, wasn't convinced she was sharp enough. I didn't think her jumping was quick enough. But she got it all together on the day. And she was electric. She's, she was head and shoulders above the opposition. And I don't see any reason why it would be any different unless something happens untoward her in the meantime. Ed, anything for us to take her on with? No, absolutely not. No, I think we're, we're clutching at straws, aren't we, really? Uh, you know, things can go wrong, etc. And there's still a bit of water under the bridge. She looks a class apart and we're struggling for depth here, aren't we, really? Mm. I mean, Charger will probably run into a place, as always, the uh, the one. If there was one who I think we're yet to see the best of this season and can improve on what we saw, that would be Echoes in Rain, who was fiercely keen on a seasonal reappearance. I mean, she pulled the jockey's arms out for a mile and a half. I like to see her in a bigger field where she could settle. I'm not saying she's going to get anywhere near uh, Honeysuckle. But put it this way, it wouldn't shock me if we had uh, three mares filled the first three places in the champion hurdle with um, her, Epiton, and all both chasing the shadow of um, of Honeysuckle, really. I think there's not much strength in depth. Honeysuckle, <laughs> she's got to stay fit to win. And yeah, Echoes in Rain, I could kind of see her improving, which well, she needs to improve on what she's done. But I have the feeling we're yet to see the best of her this season. So um, an improved display of a Christmas wouldn't be a shock. An improved display would be needed, but Honeysuckle clearly the, the popular choice here. And we'll move on to the mayor's hurdle. Uh, and Ed, you've got a selection here. I'll quickly run through the market and you can tell us which one is, is the one that you fancy. With She wears it well, the 8-1 to one favourite, Concertista 10-1, to one, Tell Me Something Girl also 10-1, to one, alongside Stormy Island and Epitont. Um, Lotto, Lotto Nomi is 12 to 1, uh, Golwaz 14 to 1, Echoes and Rain just mentioned there for the champion hurdle 14 to 1, LMA 14 to 1, Drysart Diamond 14 to 1, 16 to 1, Mrs. Milner, uh, and a few others in there as well. Ed, which is your selection? I think Henry de Bromhead's may here tell me something, girl. It's a massive price still at double figures. I'm shocked to be honest with you. I mean, she wears it well, the favourite we haven't seen for a year. Uh, last year's winner, Black Tears, I think, is retired. Stormy Island's not good enough. Constantista's gone chasing. Epitont, or I end up in the champion hurdle, will not be good enough to retire. You start going through it, who's going to turn up? <laughs> You've got Henry de Bromhead on record saying we are working back from the mayor's hurdle with Tell Me Something Girl. She's got the course form in the book. Uh, she jumped and travelled and destroyed them in the mayor's novice last year. Uh, stamina went on the new course of cutting the ground. She powered away from them up the Cheltenham Hill. Uh, a comeback was a little bit underwhelming. I get that. Uh, on a comeback at Punchestown over 2-2. But the ground was lively enough. She was giving £10 to her rivals. Uh, Henry de Bromhead said, I mean, I'm no paddock judge, but I'm told she was carrying plenty of condition on her seasonal reappearance and she ran like it. But she made late gains from the back of the last, stayed on in the closing stages. I just think, look, it's all going to be geared around getting the right for the one race. And this is when my eyes light up. I've been backing her from 16 to 1 down. And Henry de Bromhead, you know, they're going to get a right for the one big race. She's got the Chapter Festival form in the book. And as I said, like, I'm more than welcome. I'm open to ideas here. But you start going through through the anti-post list. And I'm struggling to see anyone in the top 10 in the market who's actually going to line up on the day. And uh, she she went off two to one favourite, would not shock me. I think you'll see a much fitter uh, version of her next time out. She'll be tuned up. And uh, I think over two and a half for cutting the ground to serve her nicely. And then she'll go on to the festival. Yeah, uh, she starts favourite for this. And I think she'll go there with a, a real rock solid chance of winning. Yeah, this is another one that the the, uh, the guys at 888 Sport have boosted to match best price in the market as well. So 10 to 1 uh, previous T's and C's, as I mentioned, do apply here. And Barry, you know, 
you know, we, we said before on this on this show that Henry de Bromhead is a trainer where often they can come on for the run. So that first run, the, the seasonal reappear, reappearance may not be a huge issue for Tommy Something Girl. But you spent the day at Henry's a couple of months ago. And I know that in a, a stable full of Cheltenham winning stars, this may not be the most high profile. But did you get any, did you manage to speak to Henry at all about, about her and, and his kind of hopes for her over the course of the season? Yeah, he's, he obviously was delighted with her last year and, and is hoping for improvement with her. Um, but she, I think as Ed says, Ed, if, you, if you go on what Ed says, and, and there's a lot to be taken out of that, we didn't go into any mm-hmm. great depth with Henry, but he's very happy with her and, and has our plans again for the heading back there again in March. Um, but as you said, she will have improved a lot for that first round. Henry generally do. He left Honeysuckle very short for that grace last year. He didn't do that this year, but I'd imagine he will see improvement from Tell Me Something Girl. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I asked Andrew for, uh, Andy for the pitfalls of uh, of, of antipose betting. I think the keys there, Andy just uh, Ed just plucked out. Find a race where none of the top of the market are going to run, and then then the one that you're on is probably the one to be on, uh, and that looks the way to go. Uh, on then to the national hunt chase is the next one we're going to cover here. Run Wild Fred is five to one. Uh, Statler six to one. Uh, Vanillier. 10 to 1, Ahoy Senor 10 to 1, The Boss's Oscar 12 to 1, On the Ropes 12 to 1, Beacon Edge 14 to 1, 300 through 5, 14 to 1, 16 to 1, uh, Bar, although Cap, uh, Capo Dano is, is in today, Sea of Blue, still a bit of 20s round, but as short as 10 to 1 in places. Uh, and, you know, this is another way, yeah, predicting who will run is tricky enough at this stage. Uh, but, Barry, you think there's one that provides a bit of value? Yeah, I think Vanillier, um, his win in, in Fairy House, he was good. But he, uh, or in Punchdown, should I say, um, for me, he's a horse who's crying out for the trip. He won the Albert Barkett last year as a novice hurdler, big test of stamina. His jumping is, you know, he's, he's not a flashy jumper, which is what you want for this race. So a high senior is in here. I can't imagine he'll run here. He's too much pace. He, you know, he runs with too much enthusiasm. If he was to line up in this race, I don't think he'd get home because he'd be burning up front, winging fences. You need to be a, a slow burner for me for this race. And that's what Vanillier really is. He's, he's a careful jumper. He's measured. He jumps a little bit left as well, which is going to suit him. Um, he has coarse form. It's all about stamina. And for me, Vanillier is all about stamina. Run Wild Fred, I feel, is better maybe in softer ground. I'd have my doubts about Statler getting the trip. Um, dropping Vanillier back and trip to three mile where I would have thought a high senior would go, for me, wouldn't be a good move. I think he's he's... He screams at this race. I think this is the one for him. So if connections are feeling the same, I think he, for me, he'd be the one to be on. Vanillier, I said 10 to 1 best price in the market, but 888 Sport have boosted this one to stand up best price. 11 to 1 with 888 Sport, the sponsors here pushing out Barry's selection. Don't take too much offence, Barry. I don't think it's anything personal. <laughs> uh, I think it. Uh, I think they are just doing what is best for the listeners and the viewers. Uh, on then to the Wednesday, the second day's racing. And you have got a, a selection for the Ballymore, but it also ties in with the Albert Bartlett. So we're going to come to that later and we'll go straight into the champion chase where um, there is very little, um, well, there's no tips from you guys, but certainly as a heat, it's pretty interesting. Shishkin, 7-4, Energamine, 5-2, to two, Grenatine, 8-1, to one, Chacun Poissois, 12-1, to one, Alaho, 14-1, to one, Nuba Negra, 16-1. to one. And Andy, we spoke about this race a couple of weeks ago on the show when we were saying then that Energamine was the, was the, the value, especially each way. Since then, we've seen Energamine race for the first time in a while and win easily and be clipped into 5-2. to two. Any juice still left in that price of five to two? Do you think? Um, a lot depends on Shiskin, doesn't it? Really, um, mm. and and so it all depends what he does. Um, it's a shame he didn't make the Tingle Creek. That would have really made that race. Not as though it wasn't. It was a uh, not a great spectacle with obviously Grenadine winning for Briony Frost. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Ergamine was pretty predictable what he was going to do. He's always going to end up, you know, virtually unbeaten going into the festival, like he was last season. Um, and you know that five to one just looked the wrong price, didn't it? In, re- in mm-hmm. relation to what he was likely to do, and um, you know he, he he started off his campaign in the in the perfect style. He, he got into a little bit of a I'll say unnecessary jags with notebook in the early stages. I had to think connections and notebook were trying to uh, take advantage of their fitness edge and and, and get the favourite at it. And in the end, they paid for the ultimate price by dropping away. Uh, and it meant as well on Ergamine's finishing effort wasn't quite as spectacular as it might have been i think he got softened up first run of the season his back end sectionals weren't anywhere near as good as concertista i think i think from sort of like four out the one on the corner 
I think there's about a 30 length difference that Concertina ate into the advantage that Anergamine and Notebook had already built up over the mare. So it was kind of like a, a two races run back to front. The first part of the race was very much dominated by Anergamine and Notebook if you had them on a split screen. And then Concertista caught up and they were virtually dead heated at the line. In fact, they did an identical overall speed figure. So you could pour cold water over it saying, well, you know, a champion chaser only just scrambled home against a novice chase having her first run over fences if you were going to play devil's advocate. But I, I just think we, with Anergamine, that run is bound to have brought him on. Um, you know, he, he's going to take in the races that suit his profile, i.e. a Leopardstown. Um, he'll, he'll definitely run at the Dublin Racing Festival in February. One would imagine he'll win that. Because, um, you know, obviously Shaq and Porsoir, probably now he's definitely the second string um, as, as far as I could see from, from Willie Mullins is two milers um, uh, yeah and he's, he's just a very very good horse so um, no reason to desert him now um, whether I'd advise him at five to two I mean tipped him up five to one he's open to question but um, he, he certainly looks the right one anyway at this moment in time Andy mentioned Shaq and Poissoir there Ed and I'm wondering what you make of the what do we make now of the Tingle Creek form? You had Grenatine, who drifted like an absolute bad thing all, all, all day, went off kind of whatever price and ended up winning by five and a half lengths. You got the two horses in the field that, that were fancied, um, you know, Chac and Poissois, um, and, um, and Nuba Negra both finishing kind of at the bottom of the pack, tailed off. I mean, is there too much noise in that race to, to really put too much weight in it? Or do we think we can now pretty safely see uh, Nuba Negra and, and uh, Chac and Poissois' afterthoughts for this until we see something different on track? As far as Shaka Poissois goes, I probably, uh, I mean, it's, it's a touch of the beef or salmons about him in a little bit now. It may be unfair after two visits to these shores, but he's run the two worst races of his, well, not two worst races of his career, but pretty much has run the two mm-hmm. worst races of his career coming over here. Uh, you know, he's rising 10 years of age as well. Uh, I, just, yeah, I, I couldn't have him on my mind to win a champion chase personally. Um as for Nube Negra, would be he's going straight to the champion chase, fairly enough, and his, his record fresh is astonishing. So um, he's got an each-way squeak, Nube Negra, if you see what I'm saying. But look, it's, it's a funny dynamic, this race, isn't it? Because essentially we don't really have any idea how good the top two are. Which normally, when you look through the previous year's betting and champion chases, you've kind of got one or two flag bearers where you can kind of say, well, they're the target we've all got to reach. And can we reach it? Well, I don't have a clue how good Shishkin is outside of Novice Company. Uh, as we say, in terms of Nergamine, we get to really see him putting the heat to the battle against uh, a top notcher. So that's what makes it so exciting, to be honest with you. And there's so many kind of unknowns. You've got Granatine, who, of course, I think won it fair and square. Yeah, um, no really strong view. Again, if I was, if was kind of a tentative one who I think is going could potentially shorten, it would be the runner-up to the Tingle Creek Hitman, who I thought ran a mm. race full of encouragement as a five-year-old and made an absolute horlix of the second last. If not for that, would have got a lot closer to Granatine. He's only five. On official figures, he's improved twenty pounds in just under a year. He's only got to improve about another seven or eight on BHA ratings to be kind of in the the places for champion chase, if you like. And given us, I said he's only five and he's trained by genius. I don't think he's without the realms of possibility. He, I can imagine him being put away now and going for something like the Game Spirit, running a good race there. They might think he's young and wait for entry with him, but um, yeah, Paul Nichols, that yeah, he's a young improver who could kind of a start, say, an eight or nine to one poke on the day. But um, yeah, it's a fascinating race and I'm, uh, I'm on powders dry for now, shall we say. Barry, if you had to ride one of them, it might be a silly question this given your allegiances, but who would you ride? It would be an argument. I just ah. love him. Yeah, yeah, no, I did. And last year in Leopardstown, down the back, he's so much scope, but it, it happened so easy for him. You know, and I, he was good in Cork, as as Andy said, he was taken on early on. He ran two races and I think having his first run, that's a that's a real test for a horse, and his class showed us. And albeit the the clock in comparison to Constantista wouldn't excite, but his class got him home well. And um, where Notebook paid the price for it. And um, no, I just I love an argument. I love the way he jumps. I love the way he attacks. He's just so much class. Um, Shishkin is a gorgeous horse. Race a little bit behind the bridle. Uh, jumps well, but just wouldn't excite me the same way that as an argument would but there's no other chase around at the minute two mile chaser that would do that so that to me is he for me he's just a slight little cut above the rest in that department on then from the champion chase to the champion bumper 
And the idea of having a bet in the champion, champion bumper in mid-December sends shivers down my spine. <laughs> but when Andy's tipping a horse up at seven or two in the champion bumper, it's time to listen because this thing has obviously done some serious, serious times. And I've given away who it is there. But quick look at the market. American Mike, seven to two. The Big Diane, 10 to one. Pink in the Park, 12 to one. The Model Kingdom, 14s. Uh, Gilly Billy, 16s, 20 to one bar. But it's the one at the top of the market that you are excited by, Andy. And I'm assuming that run at Down Royal uh, back at the end of October must have been fairly special. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, we were all told beforehand that he was um, one of Gordon Elliott's, if not his best bumper horse for the season. And of course, those colours are synonymous with high-class horses nowadays. And he's he's already had, I think, several horses win bumpers in those colours subsequently. So mm. he's obviously got a fair a guide to what he's got. Uh, but this this fella, I mean, goodness <clears> me, he... he he would. He could have won with Big Daddy on his back at uh, Down Royal. Um, Jamie Codd literally just had to steer him. Um, but he clocked, he clocked an extraordinary time for a horse who was only in third gear. I mean, um, he sauntered to the front coming down the hill, and then he just had to be just literally just nudged, nudged out with no more than that. Um, I was I was hoping that the horse that finished second to him would uh, frank the form. Sorry, the third the third horse. I think the, the second hasn't run run yet. But the, th- the third horse won a Noel Mead, got beat about 15, 20 lengths. And he went and won next time out. So that's just the kind of like angle that I like to help me, uh, give me a bit more confidence that the numbers are correct. I mean, obviously, visually, he was very good. But when the, the clock tells you that, you know, he's already run to a, a grade one winning standard. Um, I think, uh, you know, roughly the, the bumper winner at Chan will run to somewhere around about 66, 67. That's traditionally the path or the average. Uh, of, of what the likes you know Sir Gerard um, and Kilcourt did last year and, and all the sort of previous other winners they tend not to get anywhere near 70 but roughly between 65 67 68 something like that this fellow already run a 66 on his debut um, so he's right up there with the very the very best we've seen in recent times he runs funny enough this weekend so we're going to get another chance to have a look at him on I think it's Saturday at Navan. Um, mm. I'd imagine he'll win that very easily and then maybe he'll go to the Dublin Racing Festival uh, before going on to Cheltenham, but um, he's following the same route as Sir Gerard did. He won the same race as Sir Gerard did, and for my money, he looked even better than Sir Gerard. And we know what he did at Cheltenham, so he looks a skimpy price. But I think this fellow will be under two to one uh, on the day. Um, so yeah, he's 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 a standout in that division. Yeah, before anyone gets too excited about backing him this weekend, four to eleven, uh, best price at the moment for that race uh, over at Navan. And Barry, with, with punters, the the bumper, not just the champion bumper, but all bumpers have um, a, a perilous reputation. As a jockey, do you think it is often the case that it's not always the the best horse in the race that that, that finishes in front? What are the difficulties of getting home in front in a bumper? Well, the festival bumper is different from anyone because it's so competitive. But Cheltenham being such a tricky track and you know, people talk about the undulations down the back straight. There's ridges down the back straight that you would not know are there all year until you're on the festival bumper and you're on some big baby and he's hitting them like speed ramps. So it's 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 a very difficult race. Position, um, you know, also just you know, traffic, everything. It all it, there's there's so many variables involved in the bumper. Um, it was easy for Sakara last year to be able to boss it from the front, dictate it. Rachel was excellent on him. But it's not very often you get that luxury. So it's like that a horse at that age and with the level of inexperience, they can have the race ran by the time they get to the start. So you don't know that for certain. Ideally, a laid back kind of punter is what you want, as in a horse who's going to be relaxed, not phased by the occasion, but it's hard to pick those out. Yeah, absolutely is. Uh, we'll move on now to what is now called the Turner's Novices Chase, was the Marsh Novices Chase, was the JLT Novices Chase before that. The Turner's this year, and Bob Ollinger is the 2-1 to one favourite ahead of Appreciated at 7-1. to one. My Drogo 8-1, to one, Fernie Hollow 8-1, to one, Brave Man's Game 8-1, to one, Classical Dream 10-1, to one, Galapin de Champ 12-1, uh, 16-1 to one bar. And uh, Ed, it's over to you uh, for, your, for your fancy, your tip in this one. Yeah, again, we're just... Um... Looking at horses, where I think there's mileage in the price, George, and uh, I'm definitely in the the My Drogo camp at eight to one. 
in terms of, I could see him going off a lot shorter. That, I mean, if you live in the echo chamber that is Twitter, uh, you'll you, believe... Yeah, you'll believe my Drogo jumped like a snooker table uh, last time out and Bob Ollinger's the new Arkle. Well, I, I think there's much uh, much closer between the two of them perhaps we're being led to believe, personally. Uh, I, I think I'm watching a different race. I thought my Drogo, for his chase debut, uh, until the tip-up two-out was, by and large, excellent. And then last time out, he was <laughs> long at the ditch and he stood off a long way off on the last. But i much rather have a horse. I mean, you're interested to get Barry's uh, view on this being being a jockey. Like, I'd much rather have a horse who's got an aptitude for a fence and wants to take off rather than run down the fence, put in a short one, and you're going to lose a lot of momentum. I was interested in this. Ruby Walsh did a piece on the jumping technique of a horse called Darva Star the other day and showing that how jockey's asking him to stand off and take off, but he puts in the extra stride. And then as a consequence, he doesn't get away from his obstacles quick enough. And whereas my Drogo, I think it's the opposite. He's almost over-enthusiastic, but I've got no problem with that. And I think with more experience, they could just curb that enthusiasm. The Scouter team are clearly campaigning him exclusively at Cheltenham to get the match practice in at this venue. You know, he's going to the Dipper Chase on New Year's Day next, over two and a half. And then I imagine he might have one more run or go straight to the festival from there. So I, I, I think he's... He's definitely going to be the, the standout performer in the novice chase ranks on these shores, put it that way. Uh, I, I totally, I love Bob Ollinger. I think he's magic. But uh, I was a little bit unconvinced by a few of his skewy jumps last time out. And I think these two will end up clashing over two and a half in March. But put it this way, I don't think there's as much between them uh, as we're led to believe. And uh, I think my Drogo's going to make up a pretty useful chaser. I mean, he won head in chest in the end uh, at the weekend, which he was entitled to do uh, purely on form, racing against two mid-130s types. But um, I always say, I always go by the mantra, uh, rightly or wrongly, you can teach a horse to jump, you can't teach a horse to have an engine. I mean, he's got a grade one engine, this horse. He's only got to tighten his jumping up a little bit. And, uh, I don't think he's got to tighten it up as anywhere near as much as everyone seems to be crying their eyes out over. I just think he's being unfairly not personally. I think, I think my Drogo's a serious horse and he'll be bang there come the uh, the Turner's chase in March. Eight to one, best price at the moment for my Drogo there for the Turner's chase. Uh, we'll move on now to the stayers. And this is interesting because you've all got a tip in the stayers and you've all tipped different horses. So we're going to go around. You can all stake your claim, starting with Barry through to Andy and then Ed can bring us up at the rear. Uh, the... Market looks like this. We've got Classical Dream at five to one, Buzz six to one. I think we all know who's buzzing about Buzz out of the three of you. Uh, got a little odds checker, uh, Golden Star next to the name as well. That might be a clue. Uh, Time Hill eight to one, Flooring Porter eleven to one, um, Roxana fourteen to one, uh, Envoy Allen fourteen to one, Galapanda Champ fourteen to one, Cider Burley, Ronald Pump both sixteen to one, twenty to one bar. And Barry, you can lead us with Flooring Porter. Yes, yeah, so Florian Porter, he was, a for me, a brilliant winner of the stairs last year. Um, but as a six-year-old, that was the most impressive part for me. Um, and he showed in Leopardstown prior to that, prior to Cheltenham, and even showed it at Cheltenham to a degree. He is a lunatic. There's no doubt about that. He's <laughs> better going left-handed, or has to go left-handed, which he showed in Punchton afterwards. So that's not an issue for Cheltenham. But what he did in Navin was he jumped brilliantly. He was great. He travelled strongly. He looked like a horse who took a blow. So Danny Mullins was filling them up and filling them up. And he had a second wing wins when the horses came around him at the third last. And like a lunatic does, he thought he was, I don't know, seven four seven and picked up a straight early and dived into it. Um, I'd forgive him that. And I just think as a six-year-old last season, turning seven, there's improvement there. I just think he's overpriced for a horse who won the race last year and was a really good winner. I would accept that it is... A stronger race this year. Stronger race, it's more competitive. Um, but I think he's possibly a better horse than last year. I, I can see improvement in him. So I think he's overpriced at 11 to 1 as being a, a, the previous winner. He won't often get horses 11 to 1 to go back and repeat the trick of winning uh, a Cheltenham Festival race two years in a row when you know you know that he goes at the track and, and won't be too phased by the occasion. Uh, Andy, Buzz is six to one. I know you're sitting on tickets um, a little bit bigger than that six is, but, but he did everything that you hoped uh, a, a month or so ago and uh, proving your the buzz hype to be to be just about right. The yeah, buzz buzz. I, I, you could say. Yeah, yeah. It's a case of um, to infinity and beyond, isn't it, with this uh, fella <laughs> uh, for, for Toy Story fans? Um, yeah, he's. I mean, look, he, he looked the one at the start of the season that could be the, the joker in the pack in this category. And, you know, if, if you're involved with him, you just hope that he, he, he goes and proves it 
uh, rather than obviously all the talk and all the hype beforehand. Look, he's he's got stage one out of the way. Um, he proved when he won at Ascot that he gets two and a half really well. It was a well-run two and a half. The time figure was pretty healthy. It was the best on the card. You know, the second and third did the, nothing wrong for the form. You know, God, your dreams went on to interna- international beat song for someone. You know, they're no mugs. They're good one. 150 plus, 155 plus horses um, over two miles. Um, and, he, you know, he made them look quite slow, to be fair. And he, he, when he got down to the last, he, he was still on the bridle. Um, I'm just hoping that he does improve over three. We haven't got the evidence to, um, to say he will, but just looking at him, what he did in the Cesarewicz, the way he was so strong in that back end of that brutally run race, you'd imagine that he'll, he'll improve for going beyond two and a half miles. And, Obviously, day day is Friday, really, to to find out whether that is the case. You know, he, he's running in, as Barry said, a, a stellar-looking long walk hurdle. I can't remember a, a race as good as that either for, for the last sort of 10, 15 years. It's almost if you if you, you know if you put Floyd Porter in there, he's he's the only one missing really. Um, well, the classical mm. dream to a point, but we we still don't know um, for certain what 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 uh, his capabilities are because we've only seen one bit of evidence over three miles with him. But the, I mean, this this will tell us where we where we stand. And if Buzz does win, and he's a short price favourite to win that long long walk at a track that he loves, then even at six to one, I, I think this fellow will be, you know, it'll be five to two, three to one favourite by Saturday. Um, really excited about him. Because from, from, from an anti-post point of view, just from everything that I've seen of him, he's the one national hunt horse this season, other than Riviera de Tell that has really got my juices flowing. I, I can't wait to see what he does on Saturday. Yeah, let's have a quick look at the long walk because, Ed, your selection runs as well in the 2.25 at Ascot on Saturday where Buzz is the 2-1 favourite ahead of Time Hill, 11-4. Ronald Pump, 6-1. Champ, 15-2. Paisley Park, 10-1. Thomas Darby, 10-1. On the blind side, 20-1. Lisna Garoska, 33s. And third wind, 40s. Nine runners as it stands. Ed, you, you'll be hoping for a big run uh, from your selection, Thomas Darby. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I will. I just think it just gets a little bit overlooked in some of these markets. I thought he won fair and square in the end at Newby last time out. Um, gave him all a good thumping by the end. The tongue tie. It's interesting listening to Ollie Murphy saying he's a horse who's left them scratching their heads on uh, quite a few occasions. But they put the tongue tie on him for his final bit of work at home. And it was like a new horse. He absolutely took off. And they thought, well, we've got to go with him. Because he's always had this little bit of a funny head carriage. Well, uh, they sent him to Newby with a tongue tie on and his his head didn't go in the air after the last like it has done in the past. So he's a horse who's had, I think he's had two wind ops. So they can't kind of go down that route anymore. But anyway, whatever reason, he put it all in over three miles. He galloped to the line. He's versatile ground wise. And I I, I, I totally respect um, both Barry and Andy's views. You know, Florian Port has been there and done it. Uh, and regards to Buzz, he's the excited one. The only thing with Buzz is at the time of recording, obviously he's never won over three miles. It doesn't have any... Presbury Park form in the book either which is something else to bear in mind that he could end up going off a very short price for a horse who doesn't have the Cheltenham Festival form in the book if you like but this horse Thomas Darby you know he's placed in the Supreme he's won at Cheltenham on another occasion trap holes no fears I, I'm just to give you a price I got I'm, I am a bit surprised he's still 25 to 1 I mean mm-hmm. I, I don't even think he's got a win at Ascot on Saturday if he could just end up sides or just behind uh, the likes of Birds and Time Hill, etc. Ollie Murphy's made no secret of it. The race revolved, the season revolves around the Stairs hurdle. He'll go from here to the Stairs, probably taking in the Cleve hurdle en route. And um, I, I just think he, he's the one at the bigger prices now. Just going through the market, there's loads of the kind of 20 to 1 pluses, if you like. I'd, I'd probably make 2,000 to 1 uh, in terms of I just don't think they've got a chance. This horse, if he's got four legs, will line up on the 17th of March in this race. And I still think there's there's juice in this price, put it that way. 25 to 1, as you say, best price there for Thomas Darby. And the lads at 808 Sport had a look at your three selections here. They decided to boost two of them. And the good news for Ed is they didn't want to go near boosting Thomas Darby. <laughs> but, but running scared. <laughs> running scared. Buzz, buzz standout best price. Uh, Andy selection there, 13 to 2. They are at previous T's and C's do apply. And they are happy to match the 11 to 1 <clears> as well about flooring Porter for the stayers. Uh, on then to the final day, to the Friday Gold Cup day. And the first race we're going to be covering is the Albert Bartlett, where Blazing Carl is the 5 to 1 favourites after a couple of impressive wins already this season. Uh, Hollow Games 8-1, to one, Journey With Me 12-1, to one, uh, Ginto 14s and Kilcrook 14s as well, 20-1 to one bar. Uh, and Andy, I mentioned earlier in the show that you had a, a fancy for the Ballymore 
or for the other partner, we're not entirely sure which way it'll go, but what do you want is the one that you're interested in, either the two and a half mile or the three mile trip? Yeah, I, I really like this fella. Um, he he was well backed to, to win that maiden hurdle at Navan um, at, the, at the start of the month. And for nine tenths of it, he, he didn't look like justifying favouritism, but from the second last to the winning line, that's where he really did kick in the turbo. Um, and he was very, very strong at the finish. Um, he beat a, a couple of nice novices, uh, not, certainly not mugs. The second horse, uh, Harold um, Hadrat, was, was well regarded from, from the um, Kickingstone operation. And he, he left him for dead, really. Um, he's owned by, I think, is it Sean Mulryan, who won the Ballymore with City Island, he, was it, about three he years ago? Owns, he owns Ballymore. The, the <laughs> like, yeah, 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 exactly. And, so, and he did. Yeah, he owned the Hasbro Champ. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So don't remind me. He's got a. <laughs> there. Yeah, I mean, he's got so a bit of premium. More likely to run in the in the Ballymore. Do you think again? I mean, that was more than likely. Yeah, yeah, more than likely. Given he won over two and a half miles, I just put the caveat in that the Albert Bartlett might be a possibility because Willie's obviously got. Uh, an embarrassment of riches in all departments from sort of three, two miles up to three, and particularly that two and a half mile, that sleeping category. He could mm. end up with a couple of possibles come the turn of the year, you know, up to the, towards the Dublin Racing Festival. And imagine this fella would be targeted at that two mile, six Dublin Racing Festival race that Gally Pied and Mesnil won last year. That it's, I think it's two mile six. So you come out of it thinking, oh, is he a two and a half mile or is he, does he want three? So that's why I'm on the fence at the moment. What trip he'll end up going down he's 25 to 1 at the moment for the um the ballymore and i, and I think he's somewhere in and around the same price for the albert Bartlett. so you could actually back him for for both races this stage and and you know cover your bets but um on that same card when he won that maiden hurdle he was 20 lengths quicker than ginto who won he the grade two novices hurdle um on the on the final circuit his overall time was very healthy uh, he's better than Ginto's, but like I say, 20, if you put the two races up side by side, he was 20, 20 lengths ahead of Ginto as when he crossed the line when Ginto was halfway at the running. So he's already beaten a great two horse on on a like for like, um, uh, you know, circuit circuit comparison. So I'm pretty sure he's a Grade One horse in the making, and um, his next run will tell us whether I'm right or not. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if, he, if you are right, the one he's going to have to be is Blazing Carled, who's been very, very impressive so far. Yeah, it, it goes against my modus operandi uh, normally, uh, but I just think this horse is, uh, again, it's, it's amazing that we build these horses up, they get the business done, they come into near favourite and then everyone crabs them. But I <laughs> I, I, I just really like this This horse. Is, I'd love to see this horse over a fence next year. If I, if I can, uh, 888 Sport could dig me out a uh, Festival Novices uh, three-mile novice chase prize for the 2023 Festival. I like to see it. Um, he's he's got on the phone for you now. He's he's a he's a, he's a wonderful. <laughs> he's he's a, unlike myself. He's a, he's a wonderful looker in the paddock. It's got to be said. He's a he's a fantastic specimen. And yeah, he's just improved the further he's gone. He went up the Galway over two three. Really strode out. They brought him over the November meeting to two five. And he won well. Then he stepped up to three miles. Of course, the Paul Nichols horse's second had a big pull at the weights with him. But the further Blazing Cow went, the better he went. I accept it's the kind of same horses he's been beating. There could be bigger tests ahead. However, uh, he's improving rapidly. His jumping has been his slight Achilles heel. I mean, he made a bad error in that race at Cheltenham uh, last time out. However, I mean, the new course at Cheltenham over three miles and hurdles, if you've got a inverted commas, iffy jumper, perhaps it's not the worst place in the world to, to be an iffy jumper, given there's, I think, it's two flights of hurdles in the last seven furlongs. It just turns into a a battle of wills often, uh, that Albert Bartlett. And look, I mean, he's come there in two races now where nothing's really got him off the bridle uh, properly, I think it's fair to say. And I love the fact Charles Burns, you know, he's a shrewdy, he's won this race with Weapons Amnesty and brought Solwyn over. Um, you know, he's brought this horse over early doors to get lots, get it there, used to the travelling and the experience of the buzz and get that all-important chant of form into him as well. So um, Charles Burns, well, gone on record, say he doesn't, he wouldn't want to see him in really deep winter ground. So he's going to put him away now, bring him back for the Dublin Racing Festival and then head on to the Albert Bartlett. Yes, tougher uh, assignments await, but, um, you know, uh, apparently the lads at time form inform me he's, he's only now around £4 below your average Albert Bartlett winner at the festival from this century. 
So he, he's wow. kind of only got to improve a, a few lengths to be right up there. Uh, I think he's a really exciting type, but I think he sets the standard at the moment. He's the one um, I wouldn't want to be with anything else, shall we say. Yeah, five to one best price about Blazing Carl, top of the market, but justifiably so, as Ed says in the Albert Bartlett. Ed's got one more tip to come in a second, which is in the Mayor's Chase, and that will bring us to a close. But before, of course, we have to talk about the Gold Cup. Uh, we can't do a Charlotte Antipas preview ignoring this. And the market looks pretty different to most Gold Cup markets come mid-December, normally pretty open. But the top two from last year uh, head up the market, and they're the only two the single-figure horse, uh, single-figure price horses. Although in reverse order to the way they finished, Aplutard three to one, Manella Indo five to one. Maybe unsurprising given each of their seasonal reappearances. Uh, Chantry House is twelve to one. Protector at twenties, Albion Photo twenties, Alaho twenties, Galvin twenties, Lost in Translation, Asterian Falange, and Envoy Allen all twenty-five to one. Delta Work, Frodon, Champ all thirty-three to one. Royal Pagai forty to one. I mean, it's a bit of a graveyard down there, I guess, of last year's who, who finished so far behind those those front two, Barry. Uh, where, where do you see the value at this stage? Um, is it with those top two? Can, can you see anything challenging those two as it stands? I don't think there is. Uh, where the value is, I thought I was impressed with Lost in Translation's win in Ascot. Um, and I think he has a squeak in the King George. I thought 2-5 in Ascot. The Bromhead team relative to a, to a King George. He was... Um, he had a wind up after his King Charles two years ago, and he, the, obviously, the scissors were wrong last year, so you can draw a line through a lot of that. But he, he impressed me on the day on Ascot, and I think he's valuing the King George. And the King George, I think, is going to affect the market because, and I'm interested to hear um, Andy's take on Manila Indo, because for me, Manila Indo, he tries on Cheltenham, he tries on the new course in Cheltenham in particular. Um, so I'm not fully convinced that he's going to have the pace for the King George, albeit connections, you know, they've said in the paper only last week how, you know, how much they fancy him and all the pace he has, but I'm not fully convinced. I think Aplutard, albeit he didn't have to do anything more in Haydock than he did in the Gold Cup. Um, his jumping was better. Um, I got the impression from the De Bromhead team, I could say, from the time I was down there, that he's a horse who may have just improved a little bit over the summer. I think physically he might be a stronger horse and um, I would have thought Manila Indo had the edge of him last year on the slower ground. So better ground for me would come in Aplutard's favour. And um, the softer ground would work for Manila Indo. But I think there could be value in Manila Indo um, if he doesn't, if the King George doesn't work out for him. And I'd be interested to get Andy's take on his chances in the King George. Andy. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd have to agree with, with Barry. I think... Um tight track around Kempton might, might just find him out um, he was always, he was always at the pin of his collar as Ruby Walsh likes to say now um, in, in the in the damn raw race um, he might have been a little bit rusty but ultimately just a couple of pacey horses on the day Froden and Galvin got the better of him um, I've been I've been in this movie with Manila Indo before though um, once I've written him off but you, you just have to bear in mind what Barry says he always comes alive mm. at March in Cheltenham you know I almost written him off last season, even though I'd backed him for the Gold Cup anti-post. I went into last year's Gold Cup with not a great deal of confidence attached to it because I thought his run at, um, um, at Leopardstown a couple of times was just well below par. But he just comes, like I say, he just comes alive. Um, I was going to say by the atmosphere, there wasn't anyone in there last year. So it wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't an excuse. But you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the, the, the Albert Bartley, he was brilliant that day when he was choke out all the way and he still... Um, still won. He should have won the RSA, shouldn't he? Really, um, just champ was brilliant on the day. Any rooted the last, but know your that, audience. Well, that, to be fair, that race has stood the test, you know. Alaho, Manila Indo, champ, you know, three, you know, absolutely world class horses. Um, and it'd be, it'd be intriguing to see how he does get on around um, Kempton. I probably wouldn't back him around Kempton, I wouldn't have enough confidence with him being as pacey. Um, Although I do think you need a little bit of everything to win at Kempton. I don't think it's all about speed. I think, you you know, you have to stay as well there. Um, but at the moment, very moment in time, I think, look, he's the, he's the, he's the champion. Um, I think we'll see a lot uh, better performances further down the line this season as the season warms up. And at 5-1, to one, I think he's still the one they've all got to beat, even though a Plutard is obviously getting closer based on his, on his Betfair chase win when he was just a Rolls-Royce that day. Um, I just think Cheltenham a couple of times he's just 
he hasn't jumped as well in the last two years. The Ryanair and, and in, even in the Gold Cup, little fiddling mistakes here and then everywhere. I think that's just down to his size. I don't think he's as scopy as Manila Indo, but his engine, well, no, nobody can um, nobody can fault that. Ed, how do you see the Gold Cup as it stands at the moment? Yeah, I think we've got the right two at the top of the market. I, I'm almost of the angle. I expect I, I wouldn't be shocked if Manella Indo got thumped in the King George and then I go and back him for the Gold Cup, which, as Henry mm. de Bromhead says, the horse grows another leg at Presbury Park. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's he just, it, you know, as you say, three and a quarter miles on the new course on soft ground is a, is a world of difference from three miles around Kempton with the word good somewhere in the going description, if you see what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they're the right two. I mean, the two. The jokers in the pack, if you like, in terms of we, we don't really know anything in terms of their ceiling, their abilities. A Chantry House, who uh, obviously won the Marsh, then won an absolute farcical race, a long contest basically at Sandown by a distance, goes into the King George. Uh, funny enough, I think like, three miles at Kempton would suit him better than it would suit Manella Rindo. Whether he's got the class uh, to win the King George or not, I don't really know. But he's still the there's a big question mark about him as to where he is. We don't really know. His ability, if you see what I'm saying. Uh, and the other one is Protectorat, who um, absolutely thumped the field uh, in the many clouds chase at Aintree. Yes, the race fell apart and um, you can, you know, Native River's 17 years of age or whatever in behind. But I mean, what I was quite impressed with, the fact the horse pulled Bridget Andrews' arms out for about a mile and a half. And I thought in that ground, he would just fall in a hole, no matter what you said of the other horses, yet came home head in chest by 20 plus lengths. That was a seriously impressive performance. Um, he's on the cusp of kind of Gold Cup class on the back of that. If you look at official figures now, uh, it sounds like they might go to either the Cotswold or the Denman Chase, where you'll probably bump into, there'll be a step up in class again. It'll bump into something with, you think, viable kind of Gold Cup uh, each way credentials. But they're, they're the kind of the two unknowns, if you like, uh, where we just we do, we do not know how good they are over three miles. We have limited evidence to back it up. But um, I think the... The right two are at the head of the market. And yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Nella Indo underperformed at Kempton and then uh, became a very backable price uh, with the Gold Cup in mind. All right. Last race we're going to cover here. And of course, it is the big one. Uh, people might think it is the, the Gold <laughs> Cup is the one that we wait around. But everyone sticks around, of course, for the Mayor's Chase. No, I wasn't already on the train back in 2020 when the Mayor's Chase happened. But uh, but let's... Um, Start here with Concertista, who's the four to one favourite ahead of LMA at seven to one. Riviera de Tell, we've mentioned earlier, eight to one. Put the kettle on eight to one. Uh, Silver Forever, ten to one. Mount Ida, twelve to one. Gin on Lime, fourteen to one. The Glance and Queen, fourteen to one. And let's go with Gin and La- Gin on Lime. Ed, a few people will be in the Arkle Bar at this time having a gin on Lime, but you'll be out there <laughs> booting this one home. Yeah, I'll be on the uh, the diet lemonades or uh, the the waters <laughs> if all things have gone uh, pear shaped by then. But um, yeah, again, it, it's a similar angle with these these mares races. They're quite murky in terms of their anti post shake up. And um, if you, again, you just start going through it. You know, LMA ran deplorably at Aintree last year's winner. Cole Reeves retired. Riviere Detail. I'll be shocked uh, if they went this route with that individual. I think Gordon Elliott even kind of touched upon that. You know, the arc at the moment is where we're working towards. Put the kettle on as your reigning champion chaser. I can't imagine she's really going to come up here. I mean, I know Henry de Bromhead's mentioned perhaps the Ryanair will come into the equation again. So it's a similar kind of principle. You start going through it. Henry de Bromhead, it's a, it's uh, I, he hasn't sponsored me, by the way. I'm not sponsoring him to keep bringing his name up in every conversation. But Gin Online, 14 to 1 or there or thereabouts to win the mayor's chase. She obviously came over here to have a look at the course in that, that two runner race from my Drogo and all the, all the carnage and everything. She's got a lot of experience under that. You know, she's had eight chase starts. Uh, there's a chance that a few of these in here, especially if a couple of novices take their go, and they're only going to have had two or three by the time race day comes along. And I think that will hold her in good stead. Uh, she wants decent ground. She's going to be put away for the winter now. And I imagine she'll come back in the spring and have a prep run and then come here. I just see a lot of mileage in her price in a race, which, I'm, again, similar to the uh, to the mayor's hurdle, I think could cut up drastically. Uh, and just a final point on this is uh, a horse we, we touched upon earlier. Concertista is a horse. I, I'm, I said it funny enough on last year's show. I'm adamant she'd be better off in a strongly run two miles. Uh, I'd actually rather see her go the arc route with the mayor's allowance. Um, she's... She's capable moments of brilliance, but she's also she's been beaten as an odds on favourite three times in a short career out of nine starts. You know, she does have this propensity just to throw in the towel. Uh, you know, maybe that's a bit harsh, but 
She mm. she can come unstuck, shall we say? And I, I, again, I think people get a little bit carried away and perhaps overrate her in the context of some of these races. And given that that you know the times back up how quick she was uh, earlier uh, from her chase debut, I, I'd love to see her in a strongly run two miles, just bowled along in the arcle from the front. If you see what I'm saying? I'd, I'd be more inclined to go that route. And um, it's interesting that they may weigh it up. And of course, if she came out of the equation for this, then this race would collapse even more so again i just think it's a race full of all sorts of muddied waters you've got a horse at double figure prices she's got some Cheltenham experience she's being trained for the race and uh, again i again she starts at least half the price on the day uh, would not shock me in the slightest Jen online there 14 to 1 and of course the joke is on me because whilst i was mocking the race about it being on the train back in 2020 of course the race didn't exist back in 2020 and i <laughs> like everybody else was sitting on the sofa in 2021 booting supposed good thing ellie may home as she was beaten by Corrivi. so uh, not a race that i have fond memories of either way before we let you guys go just gonna ask each of you for your nap your your, your best selection of those that you've chosen andy we'll come to you first Oh, God, I, I don't want to put the mockers on yourself and Barry, but, yeah, I think Constitution Hill's a real deal. He's, he's the best novice I've seen for a long time, so hopefully he continues on that um, upward trajectory. Ed? Uh, tell me something, girl, for the mayors. If you can get a double-figure price about her, I think that's uh, outstanding value. Barry? I would say Vinilier and the, the National Chairs, but delighted to hear Andy's selection. <laughs> Aren't we all? Fingers crossed it'll be the same in that fantastic Tuesday in March, full of hope. Thank you very much to Ed Quigley and for Andy Holding for joining us today. And of course, 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty too. And thank you to 888 Sport for sponsoring the podcast. As I mentioned, uh, those five horses all being boosted uh, with 888. So do go uh, onto the site under 888 specials, 888 sport specials, and you can find those boosts there. T's and C's to apply 18 plus only uh, max stake of 20 pounds. And please do gamble responsibly. Please also do download the odds checker app for all the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, place terms, and Andy's tips straight to the app every single morning of racing. Hopefully in this slightly worrying time, uh, dreaming ahead of better times at Cheltenham in a few months have put a smile on your face and hopefully given some value as well. Hopefully you have a fantastic run up to Christmas and please ensure you enjoy the, ra enjoy the racing this weekend and do, as I say, please gamble responsibly. Mm -hmm.